0: Today is a somber day in the lives of Warriors fans. I'm guessing that if you are coming to this podcast, you are either a Warriors fan or a Jazz fan based on location. Not many Celtics fans listening to this unless you've searched us up because last night your team won game one. Like I said, it's a somber day for Warriors fans. I've got my buddy Dylan Duker here. Dylan, say hi to everybody.
1: What's up, everybody? Good to be here.
0: uh, Dylan is a very big Celtics fan. He's not from the area. He's from Missouri, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's correct. But uh, he has chosen the Celtics as his his favorite team. And, of course, Warriors and Celtics are facing each other. And so for today, we're not going to go behind the line with any specific player. But throughout these finals, we are going to dive deep into each game Even if the Warriors lose, unfortunately. Uh, And then as soon as the season ends, we'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming. But while we have Dylan here, we have a pretty exciting podcast planned for today. First and foremost, Dylan, I want to talk about what the biggest headline was from Game 1. I'll let you start.
1: Alright, biggest headline for me watching the game. First of all, great game. That was one of the best finals games I've seen in a long time. A lot of back-and-forth action. Uh, But the one thing that I'm going to take away from this, it's kind of two things, but part of that great fourth-quarter comeback by the Celtics included Jalen Brown and Al Horford, and they deserve equal respect and credit for winning that game. And I think that you know Al Horford playing in his first NBA Finals game, he actually set the record for most threes made in a first NBA Finals game which I think is just ridiculous uh, he's the first Brazilian player to play in a finals game and he is the oldest player to ever hit six threes in a finals game so I like to give Al Horford the credit Jalen Brown though set the tone in that fourth quarter right off the bat he scored ten points within like four or five minutes uh, he was just he was on a mission so obviously the comeback is kind of the headline but I'm crediting it to Jalen Brown starting it off and Al Horford finishing it off.
0: I I would agree with you that Jalen Brown was great in that fourth quarter, especially. Uh, I I would say that along with Al Horford, I think it's more of the surprise element that makes the headline. Jalen Brown is supposed to be doing that. Am I correct in saying that? Oh, yeah, of course. So why is that a headline over Derek freaking White?
1: So Derek White, I, I love... I love Derek White, and I also hate Derek White.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, hold on, hold on (laughs) real quick before we move on. That man has the forehead of a Neanderthal. (laughs) Look at that thing, man. It's like, I can barely see his eyeballs. Okay, continue. Yes,
1: my roommate has pointed that out a few times in the playoffs this year. Uh, So with Derek White, my problem with him is, like, he is so inconsistent. But somehow... He's got that new dad superhero power. Same thing that Fred VanVleet had a few years ago. And he is going off in the and to start this series. That was a great game. Great game. Best game of the playoffs for him so far. But he also is doing this at the end of the Heat series as well. Um, I'm not... I don't want to discredit Derek White for the impact he had in yesterday's game. I just think that Al Horford and Jalen Brown did a better job... And specifically, they did much better job in the fourth quarter. They kind of just took over the fourth quarter. So I'm not going to discredit Derek White. I could talk about a lot of Celtics players that did great last night. But I'm just giving it to Jalen Brown and Al Horford.
0: Now, this isn't my headline. I'll get to that in a second. But I was absolutely shocked. Marcus Smart played almost none of that fourth quarter. What, uh, From a Celtics point of view, what was happening, do you think?
1: Um... Honestly, I couldn't even tell you. I don't, like, I, and Marcus Smart had a good game. Like, just looking at right I here, he had 18 points, five rebounds, four assists. He had two steals. He was a big part of why Steph Curry wasn't able to score in the second quarter. He was a lot more aggressive defensively, and I'll, I'll be talking about that later on as well. Um, I think it was just matchups. Like, I think we just left in the hot hands. So we opened up with the lineup. Uh, Al Horford actually didn't even start the fourth quarter. But we kept the same lineup in for at least half the quarter, and we just we just like let Jalen Brown lead the way and then I don't know what happened when Al Horford got put back in, but he just took over yeah, uh, man. yeah oh, I don't know goodness. why they didn't play Marcus Smart, and that's kind of surprising
0: i I would agree that um you know Smart wasn't in most likely because the Celtics were going on run, and okay, help me say his name. Ime Udoku, is that his name? Ime Udoka, yeah. Udoka, okay. I'm guessing that he was just like, hey, we've come back with this group, so let me keep this group in. You know, I I believe all NBA coaches think like that. But to get to my headline, I would pretty much agree with you, but Al Horford was the game changer. It wasn't, you know, Jason Tatum not scoring, although he did have a ton of assists. So, I wouldn't really consider that a bad game for him. It wasn't Jalen Brown. It wasn't Derek White. It wasn't Marcus Smart. It was Al Horford. I think Draymond said it best after the game. He was like, "What did they do? Shoot 15 for 21 or 24? We're fine." Yeah, I 100% agree. Al Horford is not this kind of shooter. You know, every single time he lined up with that janky-looking shot, I have you. Ever, oh my goodness! I was watching it slow mo. His left hand like goes like this before the ball even releases, and I'm like, that's disgusting. Anyways, his janky little jump shot isn't going to go in every single time. He shot six for eight from three. You know how many more times that's going to happen in this series?
1: I think he's good. Nope, no, no, wrong answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no more times, okay? Trust me when I say this: the Warriors will provide a little bit more defense uh, when it comes to Al Horford. But they know that that's not going to happen again. And so they're not going to like completely change their game plan. Their game plan, I think you could tell as well as I did, stop Jason Tatum. And while they did kind of, you know, I'd say that Jason Tatum, like if I gave him a score out of 10, that game was probably an 8. Because well he wasn't scoring uh he was making the right decisions and uh every single time he passed it his teammate would make an open shot and it was the most frustrating thing ever for Warriors fans um yeah every single time I saw a Celtics shoot uh a three I like turned my eyes I was like I know this is going in this is
1: absolute garbage Oh man, any more thoughts before we move on? So I appreciate what you're saying about Jason Tatum. I'm gonna be honest. Coming onto your podcast today, I was fully ready to defend Jason Tatum because a lot of people are questioning his play in game one. And scoring is only one aspect of Jason Tatum's game. It's only one aspect of the game in general. And you look at the 13 assists, that obviously that's remarkable. Tatum doesn't have a lot of double-digit assist games, but so to put up thirteen in game one of the finals. His first finals game, I think that's impressive.
0: Think about this. If it were Booker, okay? You think Booker would be passing it that much? I don't think so. He is a pure scorer. Um, And I think a lot of the time, D-Book gets some hate, or he doesn't help his team win by passing the ball. But Jason Tatum knew the defense was totally swarming him, which defense wasn't amazing, but it was good enough to stop his scoring And so he's like, you know what? My teammates are making open shots.
1: So So I think Jason Tatum a year ago wouldn't have done this. I think Ime Yudoka has done a great job at helping Tatum, one, defensively, because he has always been, like, it's been frustrating in years past to watch him not give the same amount of effort on defense that he does offense. But watching the game yesterday, like, it just shows how much Tatum has grown and matured because his shot wasn't going in. And in years past, he would be just jacking up threes, taking horrible shots. He only attempted five threes the whole game.
0: Went one for five, though. Yeah,
1: exactly. But he didn't keep putting those up, and that's why I appreciate He started passing the ball, trusting his teammates. I think that was a huge part. Like, we wouldn't have won the game had he not have done that, because the Warriors, yeah, they were just crashing in on him every time he drove. I was seeing two other guys come to help. And so for him to do that, and then I like that he had great energy on defense. He was third on our team in plus or minus last night, and... Going three of seventeen and still doing that, I think it just shows that his he he made the right play on offense and he had great energy on defense so i I don't know if I'd give it an eight that's I'm not yeah maybe a seven maybe okay. an eight but yeah I agree I don't, I don't know why a lot of people are hating on him because we still won the game and he put up 13 assists
0: so uh, to further your point of the plus minus uh, number one plus minus on the Celtics last night was Derek White. Number two, Jalen Brown, which is a little bit um, surprising because I felt like he was on the floor most of the game and you guys only beat us by 12. Um, and then Jason Tatum was number three. Number four, Peyton Pritchard. Number five, Al Horford. So while I thought Al Horford was the biggest game changer, maybe not, maybe not. Um, but here's Tatum's stat line from last nine. 12, 13 and 5 with only 2 turnovers but here's why Dylan's score went down to a 7. He was 1 for 5 from 3. He went 3 for 17 from the field which is pretty bad when you consider Al Horford (laughs) listen to this man Al Horford went 9 for 12 from the field. Robert Williams 4 for 4 which is fair. He's the center. Marcus Smart went 7 for 11. Really good. And then Jalen Brown went 10 for 23, so, you know, mid-level. And then Derek White went 6 for 11. So it's just uh, a great shooting game for the Celtics. I think the Warriors' defense played a little bit into that, but uh, Celtics were just the better team last night. We'll just put it that way. Okay, let's move on. The next thing we're going to talk about are improvements that we want to see from each of our teams. So I'm going to do Warriors' Dylan's going to start us off with Celtics.
1: Okay. Um, So I would say the biggest thing for me for the Celtics, there's two things I think we really need to improve on. It's our energy to start halves. This has continued to be an issue for the Celtics every series in this playoffs. We start slow in game one. Every single time we've lost. game. This is the first game one we have won since the first round against the Nets. We lost each of our last two game ones. I fully expected us to lose last night's game one. Because we're not, we're just not good off of a lot of rest. Yeah, there However, was
0: there was like a week for both teams. Yeah so, yeah, so we had
1: four days. I think you guys had maybe almost twice that much. I'm yeah. not sure, yeah. but uh, so I think I want to see the Celtics come out. You saw in the second quarter, the Celtics clearly played with more energy on both sides of the ball, and then obviously in the fourth quarter they just went off. But in the first quarter, the defense seemed super relaxed. They let Curry just go off in that first quarter. I he was making some difficult shots, but for the most part he was getting open looks.
0: I haven't I haven't seen that kind of well, for the playoffs. I haven't seen that kind of defense on Curry since twenty fourteen, you know? Ever since that point, Teams' game plan, or at least on defense, has always been to stop Steph and make him pass, um, which they did in the second half, but you know they were glued to every other warrior on the floor. And then they were like, oh, Curry's shooting. Whoops. It's like, no, no, no. Your number one priority should be Curry. Oh, not of like, okay, yeah, Jordan Poole can shoot. But that's not your number one priority. So it was very surprising to see.
1: So I think watching the game, so the Celtics, they don't over help. They You see this whenever they played against Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler got his points. He's, he averaged well over 30 points a game in that series. You saw it with with Giannis. They let Giannis get his points. So the Celtics aren't going to – they're not going to throw three guys at Steph Curry. They're going to trust guys like Marcus Smart and and Derek White, who did – I will give him credit for this. I think he might have done the best job at guarding Curry last night. Not I even think, Marcus Smart? So more so than Marcus Smart. That's why Derek White had the, led the team in plus or minus because I think he did a great job of slowing down Steph Curry. What I noticed is it wasn't Marcus Smart's lack of ability. So the commentaries during the game were talking about, uh, well, Magic Johnson specifically at halftime said they were talking about how Marcus Smart was going to keep him in check. And then in the first quarter, he was unable to do so. I think they're actually wrong about that. If you watch it, Marcus Smart was doing everything he could to guard uh, Steph Curry. And then here's the problem. Steph Curry was doing what Steph Curry does. Great off-the-ball movement. He's running around all over the floor. The Warriors are setting great screens. That's one thing that stood out to me. is like The Warriors probably set the best screens in the NBA. They have the best ball movement in the NBA. So it wasn't because Marcus Smart wasn't able to guard Steph Curry. It's, he's trying to fight over screen after screen just to get in position where he could. And it was the other Celtics to me. Like I'm thinking specifically of Daniel, a play where Daniel Tice, he only played six minutes. Yeah. But Curry went over. He went... Through a screen, Marcus Smart got stuck on the screen, and Daniel Tice went under, and you cannot. You cannot go under on Steph Curry ever, and, or he'll make you pay for it, and he did in the first quarter. I think in the second quarter and on, the Celtics fought tooth and nail to get over the screen, stay attached to Curry. The help defender was coming up and being more aggressive. That's what the Celtics have to do going ahead in the series. We cannot be relaxed on defense for any amount of time. We were fortunate to be as hot as we were last night to end the game because the Warriors came out on fire, and it was because of the lack of aggressiveness on defense. And, as always, the slow start for us on offense.
0: So you think it's slow starts that are going to kill the Celtics eventually. You know, Steph went 7 for 14 from 3, 12 for 25 from the field for 34 points. He had 5 assists, 5 rebounds, three steals, and only two turnovers. Um, I feel as though Steph's game maybe was a little bit surprised. I, too, was surprised. This is the, or that was, the most amount of one-on-one basketball I think Steph has ever seen. Um, And maybe that's a good thing, because, like, you know, we've made it this far because people keep double teaming Steph and then he can just pass it away and boom, open layup. But I think Steph was surprised. He he dealt with it the first quarter, but then eventually he was like, actually, I don't want to play one on one. I like to move the ball around, which Celtics were just like, you know, oh, don't don't come up on the screen like you were saying. Let me, you know, hang tight in the key. And Seth was like, well, what am I supposed to do? I can't pass it to Draymond now. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that was funny. My improvement that I want to see from the Warriors, act like you've been here before, man. Obviously, everybody knows they've made the finals. Uh, This is now the sixth out of eight years that they've won or that they've made the finals. Apologize. And, uh, you know, in the beginning... I think that both teams I I think I saw the most nervous energy from Jason Tatum. You could tell he was like anxious, um a little bit scared out there. He he didn't look like a lost puppy, but I feel like he and Booker are the biggest like Kobe guys. Mm-hmm. And uh I just always get the vibe from him like I want to impress Kobe. Kobe's gone, buddy, okay? Stop trying to do that. And uh, last night I could see that just a little nervous energy in his face. Warriors not so much except for players like Jordan Poole. He was doing too much. Doing way too much. And uh, I think his teammates need to say, hey, we've been here before. Let us walk you through this. If you're... You know, feeling like you're about to dribble 20 times. Pass the ball. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. People always talk about how Warriors basketball is so beautiful to watch. Well, not when Jordan Poole gets the ball and dribbles 20 times. So pass the ball. Also, when I say act like you've been here before, that means control the pace. Again, in the beginning, I felt like both teams having that same nervous energy was good. But as soon as that second quarter starts, both teams have now settled in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I still think Tatum was nervous in the second quarter, but he was the outlier. Everybody else was settled in, and the Warriors did not control the pace. and that caught up to him in the fourth quarter.
1: So I think it's interesting what you're talking what you're saying about Tatum. So watching uh, the national anthem before tip off, I was looking at Tatum and I was thinking he did look kind of nervous. Uh, I think with Tatum, it's it's about a lot of people. There's a lot of pressure on Jason Tatum. So year after year, every time the Celtics lose, they blame on Jason Tatum. Even last year against the Nets, where we had half our team out there, Jason Tatum played phenomenally well in that series. He led us to a win with a 54-point game. But who got the blame? It was They didn't even credit the injuries at all. It was all Jason Tatum's fault. And every time we lose, it always is. And it will be because he's reaching superstar status. Which is crazy
0: because, dude, he was drafted in 2017. Thanks. This is his fifth year in the league. Mm-hmm. That's it. And it's crazy because, like, uh, Tyler and I were talking on the last last podcast about how um, it feels like he's been in the league for 10 years. That's how much the media talks about him. Mm-hmm. Um and that goes to your point of everybody always blames him. Everybody always blames him. Everybody always talks about him. Jalen Brown is able to – people talk about him too, but he's more in the shadows. And so, uh, yeah, Jason Tatum looked like a scared puppy.
1: Yeah, what's crazy, people forget Jason Tatum is only 24 years old still. He came into the league as an 18-year-old. I think that this year is the most improvement I've seen from him. Uh, throughout, the, He's been improving every single season, but this year – he had his lowest shooting percentages, but he elevated every other part of his game. And I think the shooting percentage is just an indicator of how much more attention he's receiving from the defense. I don't think it's he became a worse shooter. Uh, but his assist totals went way up. His rebounding went up. His defensive efficiency is way higher than it's ever been. And I just think that he's playing at a more mature level. I, I don't know that I think he looked nervous the whole game. In fact, I think that he played the most sophisticated game I've seen him play possibly his whole career, because Tatum tends to get really frustrated, especially with the referees. But last night, he did question the calls like every NBA player does right now. But like he wasn't complaining in transition. I wasn't seeing
0: I, that. I enjoyed watching Tatum play last night, um, maybe because we've been watching Luka in the Western Conference Final. and. <laughs> Well, he we'll talk about this later. He's a great player. Um, I think that he you know cries way too much. Whereas Tatum is pretty much exactly like Luca, um, but just doesn't complain as much.
1: Yeah, I think I think he has been compl- this year for some reason he's been complaining more. I think he's getting frustrated because he's not getting the same calls that other superstars are getting. But last night had to be one of the most frustrating games for him. He finally gets the NBA Finals. And then the Warriors are just throwing everything at him. He can't hit a shot, so I'm literally I'm waiting for him to collapse, and he never did. I saw him like he didn't look like I can't think of the words right now. But he now, look-
0: now you don't say he did not collapse, but he did take some questionable shots. Where I, you know, he would get a mismatch maybe on I think Jordan Poole or or somebody else that we had on him who's smaller he takes his really tough turnaround shot. It was in the second half, I believe. And I was just like, what are you doing, man? What
1: are you doing? I actually I don't... remember that play specifically. Yeah, it, yeah, I think it was against Jordan Poole. Yeah. And then it was like he was just to the left of the basket. He's backing down. Jamon on green. I think it was either green or Looney. I can't remember. Someone came to help. I don't think he saw the help coming. And then Tatum is really good at knocking down the turnaround jump shot. And I think that he, he tried to lean on that a little bit. But he, he didn't look as frustrated as he has in previous series. I think this is the first game where I'm like good for him for not cuz he always just jacks up threes whenever he starts missing shots and it drives me nuts. But last night he's picking his teammates up. He was staying locked in on defense. He's playing with great energy. He didn't look super disappointed unlike usual whenever he's having a hard time shooting. So I think yeah, I think he's definitely nervous coming out in the in the first quarter for sure. You can see it all over his face. It'll be very interesting going forward. Will the Warriors keep throwing at three guys at him every time he drives a basket? And then will he continue to make the right play? Or will eventually he get frustrated and he wants some of the credit? Will he start forcing more shots?
0: I I do think that that's how young superstars usually are. But are we seeing a more mature version of Tatum? I don't know yet. Now, I certainly hope so. <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me go through a couple interesting stats here. These are team stats. Okay. The Warriors actually had more steals than the Celtics. Uh, Warriors had eight. Celtics had seven. Then both teams had six blocks, which I thought Celtics were blocking way more. Felt that way. Yeah, yeah. It it felt that way for sure. But then the assist battle went to the Celtics. Uh, The Warriors are usually much higher on assists even when they lose. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to my point of there was a lot of one-on-one action that the Warriors weren't used to. They're so used to playing off of a double team from Steph or for Steph that uh, they weren't passing as much. They didn't get into the flow of their type of offense. The Celtics had 33 assists as a team, whereas the, Celt- or the Warriors were held to 24.
1: So I think that's what makes the Celtics a great team. I am just, I think, I don't know. I love every Celtics team, but this one's got to be my favorite probably since. Do the, you love Kyrie Irving? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then there you I go. I loved <laughs> Kyrie when he came to Boston, before he came to Boston and when he got to Boston, but I very quickly lost that enamor for him. And I, yeah, I could not wait for him to get off our team because he was a cancer in that locker room. But the, the, the thing that makes the Celtics great is that they're able to play one-on-one because they have the guys who can guard anybody on the perimeter. They've got the Defensive Player of the Year in Marcus Smart. They've got Derek White. They have Jalen Brown, who's a good perimeter defender, Jason Tatum, and even their big men like Al Horford and Robert Williams do a pretty good job, honestly, of guarding perimeter players and specifically without fouling. And Grant Williams does that too. He didn't have a very good game last night, but he only attempted two shots, missed them both. But he he plays good defense. And I think that's... To me, that's why I have the Celtics winning this series in six games. I do think the Warriors are gonna take a couple, but that defense is ridiculous. It's the number one defense in the league since January. We have just passed like we got past the Bucks and the Heat, who were ranked first and third, respectively, in the regular season. But the Celtics have the number one playoffs since or defense since January and definitely in this playoffs. They switch on everything, so they're not that's what makes them great. They have, the, they have the players and the ability to do so. And I don't think that's going to change. They're, this is what got them here. They're going to keep doing that. It'll be very interesting. I think Steve Kerr is a great coach. Obviously, Steph Curry is one of the best players of all time bet on offense, obviously. Uh, and then he's just a smart player. And so I think it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts to this. I honestly expect he'll he'll have a few games where he carries them to a win. But I just don't see... I don't know how he's going to be able to overcome this defense. As long as the Celtics can stay healthy, I think we've got this thing locked down.
0: Man, you're you're making me upset, but (laughs) I asked you to come on to this podcast. Okay, let's get to the... what I believe is the most controversial topic of our podcast, this episode. We're going to go top five. And the reason why I bring this up while Dylan is on today's episode we were sitting in class and dylan uh starts talking to this miami heat fan okay and he goes no yeah yeah, that was a great series great series yeah i think jimmy butler's a top five player what are you talking about, man? I immediately whipped my head back, and I was like, okay, name your top five. If Jimmy Butler's in there, name your top five, you dummy. So we're going to start with Dylan's top five list, and uh, then I'll roast him for it.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, thanks for bringing that up. So I do think, I think Jimmy Butler is incredible. I think he looked like a top five player in the series. Uh, he... Carried that Heat team. I like Jimmy Butler. He is when we talk about dogs, as everybody talks about right now. Jimmy Butler is the biggest dog in the NBA right now. He plays with so much passion. He kind of reminds me of like Giannis in that way. But he's knocking down his shots. When he's doing that, he's unstoppable. He's a great rebounder. Like I don't know. He just he always has great energy. He's a great leader. So I. I stand by saying that he looked like a top 5 player.
0: note the phrase he looked like <laughs> a top 5 player.
1: I'm going to I'm going to pull that back a little bit <laughs> okay, from my top okay, 5 okay. right here today. Good. I'm not going to put I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm not going to put Jim Butler in my top 5. Good. Not today. Um but I think that he is undervalued when it when we talk about superstars, he never gets mentioned. As a possible top five player. He never gets mentioned. Sometimes he gets left out of the top ten player list, actually quite often. And I don't know about that because I think... He's, he's off of player. my top ten. He's not even in your top ten? Uh,
0: this segment is specifically top five, yeah. but I tried to do six through ten as well in mm-hmm. case you asked about it. And yeah, he's not in my top ten. Now, uh, I think we both have the same top two. Number one is... Giannis. Giannis. Number two is... LeBron. LeBron. Okay. Yes.
1: So start from number three. Okay, my number three is Kevin Durant so I think Kevin Durant is just an absolute stud on the basketball court he needs to grow up he's in his 30s and he still acts like a child on social (laughs) media he needs to quit caring about what other people are thinking and saying Uh, but Kevin Durant is just lethal he has the ability to take over games like very few in this league can I think he like he goes toe to toe with Giannis Giannis is in his prime Kevin Durant is in his mid 30s at this point so the fact that he can still go toe-to-toe against Giannis, I think Kevin Durant, this is going to be very controversial, but that's why I have my own podcast too. I like to do this <laughs> stuff. Kevin Durant is the best all-around offensive player of all time. Not just right now, of all time. The fact that he they have him listed as six foot ten. Back in the day, they had him listed as 6'9", and then it, it was like, stop it. He's not yeah, 6'9". Because yeah. Kevin Garnett was 6'10", and he's taller than Kevin. So the guy was at 6'10". He's probably closer to 7 feet tall, but he's got point guard handling. He has the ability to shoot over anyone and from anywhere. I'm pretty sure he had a 50-40-90 season, if I'm not mistaken. He can just do it all. And so for the, like that reason, I think that he deserves to be in the top five. I think that he is the second best player of this generation, only behind LeBron James. And I think even when he played for your Golden State Warriors, that team was unstoppable. Like They were amazing before he got there. When he joined that team, they were unbeatable. And I think he was the best player on that team that was loaded with superstars. I think Steph Curry, I'm not discrediting him at all, but Kevin Durant looked like the best player in both of those finals that he played in and won. Okay.
0: Now, before you move on with your list, I want to restate... In very few words what you just said. KD is number three because of what he has done in the past, not this playoffs. Okay, continue.
1: I don't know if I'd say that. No, no, that was that was what so you am, just said. I am talking about the past. I think the I'm not blaming him for losing the series against Boston. If anything, he's one of the only people who did show up. Kyrie Irving had... Okay, okay, then don't talk
0: about that series. Talk about the regular season. The Brooklyn Nets were the number seven seed, and you're putting a player who was on that number seven seed as the number three player in the league right now.
1: But Kyrie Irving played maybe a quarter of the games this season, and there was the the Nets. I don't know what they were doing. They're building a team. All these old guys they're bringing in. Blake Griffin has always been overrated, and he certainly doesn't deserve to be oh, star right now. Oh come on,
0: you don't actually believe that in 2012 he was overrated
1: i always I he was crazy.
0: he was awesome to i watch. liked
1: deandre jordan more than i liked blake griffin when they were on the clippers and chris paul obviously was the leader of that team so i think blake griffin got a lot he was a good player a really good player i always thought he felt he was overrated i'm not saying he wasn't good he was just overrated and now at his age he just disappears all the time and he rode the bench in that series They have a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge who rode the bench in that series. (laughs) Kyrie Irving against the Celtics only showed up. He played great in two games, disappeared in the other two. All season, Kevin Durant was carrying a horrible roster. Bruce Brown was arguably their second best player. I actually love Bruce Brown. Great role player, great defensive player. But if Bruce Brown is your number two player, that's not great. And Kevin Durant kept them in playoff contention until they did fall back to the 10 seed. And then Kevin Durant goes to the front office and he's like, let Kyrie play away games. And then they did. And then soon after, Brooklyn lifted the uh, mandate, the vaccine mandate for the NBA. And so then they very quickly, they were one of the best teams in the league when Kyrie came back. So I'm not blaming Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant did everything he could for this team. I think he's very frustrated. He needs to do a better job. He should never have left the Golden State Warriors. He's in a perfect, perfect place. They would be winning every single year had he stayed there. No one could beat them. That team is too Mm -hmm. good the best offensive player of all time with the best shooter of all time and in a system that moves the ball. Mm -hmm. So you can't just focus on one player. They don't play ISO. Everyone's running around. They're moving off the ball. They're setting perfect screens. He would have been unstoppable, and we would have seen probably a Celtics-like dynasty when Bill Russell had nine finals wins in ten years. I think we would have seen something like that from Golden State. That's how good they were. They were almost a perfect team. They were one of the best teams of all time. Only the Bulls, whenever they won 72 and 10 and won the finals, separated themselves from the Warriors when they went 73 and 9. But that team was just as good to me as the Bulls. And I think that if they were to play each other, it would have been a pretty great matchup. Kevin Durant leaves. I don't even know why. He had a riff with Draymond Green. I know. Yeah, but...
0: and then he asked for a sign and trade. Yeah. We talked about this on our last episode. Uh, and uh, we got D'Angelo Russell out of it who <laughs> turned into okay let me we just did this last episode D'Angelo Russell turned into Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Kuminga
1: nice. so it's pretty good D'Angelo Russell had a great year this year for Minnesota but yeah. I've never <laughs> been a big Russell fan but yeah I just think Kevin Durant if he could put his ego aside he would be even better but I've got number three. I'll continue my list. <laughs> number four. Number four. I've got Nikola Jokic, the reigning two-time MVP. Stop.
0: Disrespectful. Okay, continue.
1: To have him at four? Yes.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. To not have people oh, above okay, Jokic, okay. but continue.
1: So Nikola Jokic, I love watching him play because I think he, I think Joel Embiid is more talented. He is more physical. But he doesn't play the game as intelligently to me as Jokic does. Jokic plays the game the right way. He can pass the ball. He can play defense. He can shoot from anywhere. I love watching this guy play. He is the most efficient player over the last two years. Um, I was looking at plus or minus. like I was looking at it for yesterday's game, and my roommate was asking me. He didn't even know what plus or minus was, so I was explaining to him. right. <laughs> so I decided to go back and look. I'm like, I wonder... Because I, I love plus or minus, minus. I think that's a great representation of like who the best players in the league are and most impactful. And so he asked me who led the league in plus or minus the, over the course of the whole season. So I looked it up, and it was Nikola Jokic by quite a margin. Nikola Jokic is a phenomenal player. Phenomenal player. I, to have him at four, to me, feels like a slight against him. But I can't, in good conscience, put him ahead of Giannis, who is definitely there. So player, okay. The
0: okay, 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 okay. You're, you're talking about how Jokic should be higher up on the list. Who's your number two? LeBron. Yes. Why is LeBron there? LeBron. Not because of what he did this year. He okay? averaged not He. I understand that. He didn't make the playoffs. That's like Bradley Beal, okay? Stop it. It's not because <laughs> of what he did this year. You're lying to yourself. It's because of his legacy. Jokic has no legacy, man.
1: He's got to win the finals.
0: Well, not just that. Okay? That man hasn't gotten out of the second round more than once.
1: (laughs) My word,
0: man. I think
1: LeBron James is another situation to me, like Kevin Durant. It's actually funny. So in the regular season, they were back-to-back in plus or minus. LeBron was 13th. KD was 14th in the league. LeBron was another situation where I don't know what the Lakers thought they were accomplishing in the offseason. They spent a lot of money on players who were not going to be able to play together. They suffered greatly. And Anthony Davis is the most, he deserves the most blame. He doesn't play. He's rides the bench. I think it was Shaq or I can't remember if it was him or Charles Barkley they call him Anthony Street Clothes Davis. And I have to agree with that. Because well I I like the at.
0: I like the nickname Anthony Day-to-Day Davis.
1: <laughs> Pretty much. And even when he does play, he disappears all the time. Where is the New Orleans Pelicans, Anthony Davis? Where is he gone? Because he doesn't look like the same player. And I love Russell Westbrook. But what the heck? Why are you putting him on a team with LeBron James? They play a very similar style in offense. And Anthony Davis, I'm like, it's a log jam trying to score at the basket. No spacing. That was a horrible team they built. They put Carmelo Anthony on the perimeter I He had a pretty good year, but you can't be leaning on Carmelo Anthony. LeBron likes to pass first, and he's passing out to guys like Malik Monk and Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> Stop it. You're not going to win a championship. And they didn't even make the playoffs, which I did not see that coming, but it's just because Anthony Davis didn't play, and Russell Westbrook looks confused playing on the floor with LeBron James. They cannot play together. They okay, need to blow it up.
0: Okay, Let, let's go to number five okay. now that I've yelled at you.
1: <laughs> so my number five... <clears throat> I'll let Jimmy Butler take the day off. I won't put him here today. There's only all right, Babe. Brian. I'll put a smile on your face. I got Steph Curry number Good job. five. Thank you, thank. I'm gonna you. put him at number five specifically after watching last night's game. To be honest, I was I was contemplating when I when I said in class Jimmy Butler's top five player. I feel like I was caught up in the moment. I was having a conversation. We were coming fresh off of a very difficult series against the Heat. I I stick by Jimmy Butler is underrated player. I think he probably deserves to be a top ten, but Steph Curry is just an amazing player for a few reasons. Obviously, he can shoot the three. That's what everyone's enamored with. That to me, that's not even what makes him great. Yeah, he is a great three point shooter. His movement is ridiculous. No, I don't see any other player in the NBA. No player in the NBA running around off the ball the way that Steph Curry does.
0: What What does Tatum do when he gets rid of the ball? He walks around, but he doesn't run like Steph.
1: He does. I've actually seen him doing a little bit more movement, but not even, still not great in compared to other players, and definitely not anything near what Steph Curry does. I don't think any. I've never seen any player run around the way Steph Curry does. He fights over screens. He's a great passer too. Like I think he doesn't get enough credit for his passing ability because we're so caught up in how great of a scorer he is, but just a phenomenal player. He plays with such an energy on defense, too. So early in his career, I didn't really see that. I think the only thing that's hurting Steph Curry's game is his size because he's playing with great energy on defense. And last night, I didn't see it as much, but throughout the course of this playoffs, he doesn't back down as much. We're not seeing, like, when the Cavs played the Warriors in the finals, and I feel like Steph Curry was hiding. Steph Curry's gained weight since then. He's put on some muscle since then. I think because that was kind of an embarrassing series for them. They lost and I'm pretty sure they came back and beat them the very next year. But Steph Curry, to me, doesn't shy away from defense. His size hurts him. But best shooter of all time, not the best scorer, as Kevin Durant, but best shooter of all time, and great off-the-ball movement. He, play, he is so intelligent as a basketball player. And that's the thing that worried me about playing the Warriors. I still, I believed before the series began, I believe even more so after last night, Celtics win the series. What scares me, though, is that the Warriors just play such a great brand of basketball. They, I didn't even realize until you brought it up, the assist differential in last night's game. Watching it, I felt like both teams were moving the ball well, but I'm surprised to see the Warriors only get 24 assists. It wasn't because of Curry, though. Curry, great player. Uh, definitely deserves to be top five, so I'm going to give him the, the five Thank
0: spot. you. I, I appreciate that, but I'm still hating on your list because he's not high enough. Okay, I got Giannis and LeBron. I'm gonna stick by my guns and say those two are up there because of their legacy. You might say, "Well, Giannis only has you know one uh, championship, one Finals MVP. I believe he has two Finals MVPs, one Defensive Player of one the Year, leg-
1: two regular season MVPs."
0: Right, right, right. Two regular season MVPs, one Finals MVP, one Defensive Player of the Year. But when I talk about Giannis's legacy. I'm looking a little bit into the future. If he keeps playing like this for even the next three years, uh, he'll be top twenty uh, of all time. Mm-hmm. I believe uh, that's a big thing to say because even Steph is hardly in this in the top twenty. Mm-hmm. But I think Giannis will be. I think he needs to win one more championship. But then after that, you know, he's he's good to go. You can't stop that man. The Celtics won the series and while Giannis wasn't going off for 50, you you physically cannot stop that man. You just have to flop. You have to try and steal the ball at half court and make him pass it. That way he's not running downhill from the half court line. You have to try different things. Okay. So there's his legacy. Number two, LeBron's legacy speaks for itself. Okay. Mm -hmm. Number three, I think you already know where I'm going with this. Steph Curry. Steph Curry, man. Okay, in this generation, he is the definition of consistency and winning. I was talking to my brother Blaine the other night, and I said, "Yeah, I was, you know, scared watching the 2019 or yeah, yeah, the 2019-2020 season because You know, we looked like hot garbage before this finals series began. I went back on YouTube and watched a few highlights from that year. And, you know, players like Kai Bowman and uh, Marquise Chris and other names like that were the main part of these highlights. And I'm just like, what a sad time for Warriors fans. Now, it only lasted for two years, but I was telling my brother Blaine that, you know, I was scared we weren't going to get back here. Uh, I didn't want to be a Fairweather fan, so I was going to support them through it all. But as soon as Steph came back, without, you know, Clay, and with a ragtag group of bench players like Kelly Oubre. Come on, Kelly Oubre is good, but he's not even good for playoffs. He nearly got into the playoffs. Now, last year was a little bit of a dip on Steph's legacy. I will admit that. But ever since 2015, you cannot say that he has been one of the most dangerous players in the league, and he always has a shot in the playoffs. As soon as he gets in that first round, you're like, okay, I don't want to face him. I don't want to face him. And that's the definition of a great player. You don't want to face a great player in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Okay? Number four, I got Durant for kind of the same reason as you. Uh... His legacy is one of the best offensive players of all time, at least top five. Uh, that is his legacy. I won't. I won't say that the championships add to his legacy because yes, he did join us, and does that diminish from Steph's legacy? I don't think so, because like he was able to handle Durant's ego, Draymond's ego. Okay, that's hard to do. You don't want to talk to Draymond and Durant because they would eat you alive. Uh, and then number five, I'm surprised you don't have him on your list, Luca. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: now, you were talking about how Butler was in your imaginary top five <laughs> because of how you saw him play in the Eastern Conference Final. And uh, maybe Luca is the same way for me because of the Western Conference Final, but we beat him in five games, so I don't think that's the reason. The reason is he's what the same age as Tatum younger I believe Probably um, the same age Yeah go ahead and look that up but and he's already taken a ragtag group of people to the Western Conference final
1: so he's a year younger than Tatum
0: There you go So that's already adding to his legacy Uh usually the group or the amount of American-born players is much, much higher than foreign-born players. In today's league, it's starting to balance out. But Luka is one of the best international players of all time. Uh, and he's only 23 years old. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, legacy right there. I believe both of our top fives are, are good. <laughs> Mine is better, obviously. <laughs> but uh, I can't believe you put Jokic. Sorry, Jokic over Steph. That is
1: disrespectful. Who would you rather have on a team? No, don't don't even try to think I about it. I have to that. think about it because I'm talking about players right now. Right now, the best players in the league. If a few years ago, I would not be putting Steph Curry even with today's Jokic, I would not or I wouldn't sorry, I would not be putting Jokic over Steph Curry a few years ago even today's Jokic. But I'm talking about right now. And I think now and I'm not diminishing Steph Curry at all. I'm saying he's a top five player in today's NBA. it's late in his career, and he still is. And I stand by, I would not put Doncic on this list. I had time to think about, you know, we all say some things that are questionable from time to time. <laughs> I didn't really put a lot of thought into my top five list in the class, but after having a few, like, today I spent maybe 10, 15 minutes looking at it, I still don't put Doncic in my top five. I like Jokic better, and Jokic has been the best player in the league I mean, everyone's complaining, saying that the eye test showed that Embiid was the most dominant player this year. And I disagree. Nikola Jokic carried the Denver Nuggets. That team played horribly this year. Stop,
0: stop. You just said Jokic was the best player in the league. while he got the MVP. What does MVP stand for? Most
1: valuable player.
0: Right. It is not best player, okay? If they had that... Award who would it go to every single year?
1: Right now, right like right now, mm-hmm. I'm saying Giannis. I'm well, gonna say Giannis. yes,
0: yes. But Lebron, either James him or Lebron. Right.
1: Lebron James would have had it for you know 15 years in a row.
0: Right, either him or Lebron. Okay, yes. that's my point. Best player, you cannot award that to Jokic. That's Jokic got no Stop, stop it, stop. I'm pulling a Stephen A. Smith right now. <laughs> um, Jokic got MVP because his team sucked. And yet he still got in the playoffs, okay? Mm-hmm. Austin Rivers, as much as, you know, as much as he was great at Duke, he sucks, okay? Yep. Um, and Jokic got all the stats, got his team to the playoffs, so he got most valuable player. I don't think
1: an MVP should qualify you to be over Steph Curry, Okay. That's the point, though. It's not one MVP. It's back-to-back MVPs. Just Steph did that too! I know, but not right now. We're talking about right now. You got the two-time, and I think you can't leave the most valuable player. It's not a fluke. He's done it. Back-to-back seasons. I think he's the first. I can't remember. This might not be true, but I saw something. He's either like the first or second player or center to ever win back-to-back MVPs. And... Statistically, he had the best statistics of the season too. That's what everybody's complaining about, Joe and Embiid. It's like they all complain that we we're looking at stats, and that's why we're putting Jokic ahead of Embiid. But I'm like, I, I think it's because Jokic plays the game better than Embiid. He's he's kind of like the way that Steph Curry views the game, like just playing the game the right way. Jokic does the same thing. That's why I don't have Luca in my top five because, quite frankly, he kind I kind of think of like James Harden when I look at Luca. Because I get so tired of these players getting these ridiculous foul calls over and over again. The league has gotten a lot better about that. They changed the rules for this year, uh, calling more offensive fouls when players jump into the defensive player. But Lucas still gets almost all of the calls. It's obnoxious. It's annoying. He gets a lot of calls he doesn't deserve. He cries constantly in transition. And then one thing that I knock players for, I I knock Damian Willard for the same thing. Taking ridiculous shots in big moments, like, they, they force shots and, I, and they miss them. Like, yeah, I, Lillard hit that huge shot over Paul George, and everybody gave Paul George a hard time for not playing tougher defense. And he said, that was a bad shot. And it was a bad shot. And Damian Lillard and Luka Doncic do that all the time. Trey Young does the same thing. It's because I, I think, would agree with Trey yes, Young for they're sure. They're all chasing Steph Curry. Steph Curry shoots actually the second most, uh, like, what they consider to be deep threes. Damian Lillard shoots more, but Steph Curry doesn't hurt his team with it. Like when I watch the Warriors play, I don't ever feel like Steph Curry is bringing his team down. He might put one up every now and then that you know heat check.
0: Yeah, those are heat checks. Yes. For Dame, it's not a heat check. It's like oh, regular play. Whereas for Steph, as a Warriors fan, when I watch that, I'm not saying like oh yeah do that because it's like fun to watch. I'm saying I trust that more than an Andrew Wiggins mid range. Which is sad to say, but I do. That's you know?
1: more of that's more of a statement about Curry to me than it is Wiggins. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Curry is that he's that great, but he doesn't bring his team down. When I watch Doncic play, I think that he hurts his team sometimes by taking bad shots. I think that the amount that he complains and cries to the referees it just bothers me. I when I look at him, you know, I hear a lot of people saying he's the best player in the NBA right now, and I think that's ridiculous. He definitely is not. There is definitely an argument. I can see why you're putting him top five. I probably have him number six, but I just I like Jokic the way he plays the game better. He is seven feet tall. He does everything. He rebounds for them. He can pass the ball. He's a great school center. He
0: does everything except for win Win championships. Yeah, exactly.
1: He gets. I think if I would like to see them. They need to stay healthy. I think this year Jamal Murray didn't play the whole season. Uh, Which I think is crazy. Why would you do that? I'm not. So he was going to be able to potentially come back, I think, in April because yeah. he tore his ACL so late last year. Yeah. But I do think that, like, why Russia got back, I just don't think that maybe he was ready. And then mm. Michael Porter Jr. can never stay healthy. So I, I would like to see what they would like. I think if they were healthy this year, they might have been the number one team in the Western Conference. I think that it would have been. A three-horse race, they would have been right there with the Suns, right there with the Warriors, in terms of the best teams in the West. And the way the Suns looked in the playoffs, I think they would have beaten the Suns, given how they looked against the Mavericks. I can't believe they lost that series. But I, next year, if the Nuggets are healthy, I they very rarely give out three consecutive MVPs to anyone, no matter how much they deserve it. It would be very interesting to see if they can stay healthy next year. Does Jokic get a third MVP? Can he win a finals?
0: No, I, I think three MVPs in a row would be stupid. You know, at that point, it's like it's not doing anything to his legacy, so stop it. Just like give it to somebody else that doesn't have it yet. That's just my opinion. I
1: disagree with that thinking, and it frustrates me because you see guys like LeBron James, who I think deserves far more MVPs than he has. And, you, and I look at the NFL and I say the same thing. Because why does Aaron Rodgers get to have four MVPs? And you're telling me Tom Brady, he only has two. And it's the same thing. Like These leagues don't like to give out the MVP to the same player over and over again. Because Michael Jordan would have won it pretty much every year. Oh, yeah. Oh, LeBron yeah. James would have won it almost every year. Kevin Durant did deserve his MVP. Uh, and for the Thunder, he did deserve it. Oh, he said, yes. I heard didn't. No, he did. I was like, whoa. But whoa. that that year was one of the few years where someone actually outplayed LeBron James. LeBron James would have a ridiculous number of MVPs if they gave it to the same player every year. I don't, I don't know what the thing is behind that. I say give it to the guy who deserves it. I don't care how many they've gotten. Keep giving it to them because that's what makes... I hate I feel like they almost taint the legacy cuz if LeBron James had 10 MVPs there'd be no argument that he's at least the second best player of all time cuz Jordan given the same rules would have had just as many. I
0: I'm a big LeBron hater um only because, you know, of 2016. I think if 2016 had never happened, I would've been like, yeah, whatever LeBron, I don't care. But uh we're running out of time here. Last thing I want to talk to you about is uh I want you to look up a list of the playoff teams last year. Okay. Okay. 2021 playoffs. I did this with Tyler, if you listen to our lot, our last episode. And we looked at the list and we named a couple of our biggest flukes. Okay. It there's two pretty obvious ones. One is very, very obvious. And I'll give you a hint, it's in the Eastern Conference. Okay. Uh but I, it's enjoyable to see because I think that the league this year has evened back out and uh, has become normal again.
1: So you're looking at teams that I think are flukes? Yes, that were flukes. flukes. Yes. <clears throat> hmm. I'm going to go ahead and assume that the fluke you're referring to is the Wizards? No, you
0: know, I don't consider them a fluke. They had okay. Russell Westbrook and yeah. Bradley Beale and they were able to get some good things out of Russ Westbrook, unlike the Lakers, I thought they were a good team, and they were the number eight seed, and they lost in the first round. I don't see that as a fluke. So it's the New York Knicks. Most definitely the (laughs) New York Knicks. (laughs) The number four
1: seed. The fourth seed. I think they were the 10th seed this year. (laughs) I don't think they were the 10th seed because I don't think – did they make the play-in? I don't think they did.
0: Oh, you're right. They did. Yeah, so there you go. They – We're hot garbage this year, which is normal. And last year, you know, those dumb Knicks fans, which, you know, you're more into the Eastern Conference than I am. Do you like Knicks fans? No. Exactly. (laughs) See, Um, that was absolutely crazy. My second one was the Atlanta Hawks. I actually don't trust Trey Young. I think that he will never win a championship. And uh, last year... Maybe I'm just you know, sour because the Warriors weren't in the playoffs and you know, people were focusing on other players rather than Steph Curry, who's the mm-hmm. greatest player of all time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just hate Trey Young. And that Hawks-Knicks series was entertaining because they both sucked.
1: <laughs> so it's just funny. <clears throat> I think this year one thing – so Kimba Walker joined the New York Knicks. Ultimately, he ended up riding the bench. Mm-hmm. And speaking as someone who just watched him play for the Celtics, it's easy to see why because Kimba Walker is terrible at defense. He is terrible at defense. He drives me crazy when he was on the Celtics. He can't, play, he can't guard anybody. He can't guard anybody. He is such a hazard. And then his offensive ability at this point in his career is not enough to make up for how bad he is on defense. And he's not as great... He's a good mid-range shooter. He's a great mid-range shooter. He's not as good of a three-point shooter as what I think other people assume that he is. He's more of a mid-range shooter. His game is not up-to-date with the rest of the NBA. He kind of plays, like, early 2000s basketball when I watch him play. Then he can't stay healthy. So I think that brought the team down. They brought in Evan Fournier this year, and he actually had a really good year for them. But... Yeah, I think they leaned on too many guys like that. Like These guys also coming from the Celtics. Neither of those guys should be a top three scoring option right now. Right now. And then I think like Julius Randle came back to earth. He had a ridiculous year two seasons ago. Which That's is unfortunate
0: because why... I had him on my fantasy team this Oof. year.
1: I think he's still a decent fantasy player. He's still a pretty good fantasy player. But just he was just far less efficient. I think teams they gave him the respect he deserved from that he wasn't receiving two years ago and that's why he was able to put up those numbers. They I wouldn't say they necessarily locked him down, but they definitely brought him back to earth. And then Derrick Rose was an unheralded hero from two years ago. Uh, I st- as with most fans of the NBA, I would love to see what Derrick Rose could have done had he never gotten injured. But Derrick Rose is still a decent player, but he's another year older. He was banged up all year. He hardly played. And so they had to lean on guys like Kimba Walker. And then that turned into like a manual quickly and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the Knicks, I won't necessarily say they're just like, I think they deserved to be in the playoffs two years ago. I think they played great basketball. Uh, Tom Thibodeau had them playing very hard on defense, as he always does. And as with most Thibodeau teams, they were exhausted by the time they reached the playoffs. And so they were bounced pretty quickly. But it'll be interesting to see, like, the Knicks next year, I don't know. They got to blow this team up. I think you hold on to Julius Randle. R.J. Barrett had finally started to play quality basketball in his career. I think this is his best year. So you can I think you can possibly build a good team, not a championship team, but a good team around those two guys. And then but you gotta bring in a they need a point guard. You have to have a point guard in today's NBA. The Celtics have struggled with that in recent years. Like they finally just let Marcus Smart be the point guard this year. And, I th- and he did step up. He had the best—I think he. this is the best season I've ever seen Mark Smart have. Well, he did win Defensive really, Player of the Year. Which so. he. I, which is funny because I don't even think this was his best defensive year. Hmm. But I think that not as many guys played— like Rudy Gobert didn't play as great a defense as he has in years past. So that's why Smart gets it this year. But I don't even think this is his best defensive year. But he finally was starting to pass the ball more. He's getting—he continues to get better as a three-point shooter— he took less stupid shots. He still takes dumb shots. <laughs> and I hate in clutch moments, it always seems like Marcus Smart for just no reason is the one taking the shot. But uh, It's because he's not with,
0: scared. He's not scared, I yeah,
1: think. He's definitely a confident player. Uh, I, the Knicks needed a point guard. And so I look at that. I, I, I agree with you probably, especially because they were the four seed. The Wizards snuck in with Westbrook yeah. and Beal. Yeah. They barely got in. Yeah, definitely the Knicks, I don't see them being a top four seed anytime soon.
0: Mm-mm. Never, never again, unfortunately <laughs> for Knicks fans. Well, Dylan, we appreciated having you on the podcast. We'll probably try and have you again, especially if the Warriors win. Okay, okay. <laughs> that, way, that way we can hear you gripe <laughs> and complain uh, since he's... He's talking confident over here. He's like, oh, yeah, Celtics will win. Like, no biggie. Like, oh, shut your mouth, man. But you uh, you brought a nice energy to this podcast. But uh, next week, hopefully, Tyler will be back. And hopefully, obviously, the, the thing we all hope for, including Dylan, is uh, four more Warriors wins. But until next time, stay cool.